I'm not supposed to die. Yeah, and we weren't supposed to have to watch this shitty film, but you know, life happens. Welcome back to Don't Watch This Film, the podcast where we watch some of the worst horror movies in history so that you don't have to. My name is W. Adam Clark. My name is Tia, and I am so excited about what we get to talk about today. I remember seeing this in the theaters with my dad. I remember playing the game it's based off of. We get to talk about Doom. Yeah, so um, this movie is actually coming to us via our one of our $20 patrons who picked a movie once per quarter because that's the advantage of the $20 patronage. So the movie he wanted us to talk about was Doom, the 2005 version. Now, Thank you so much, by the way. For clarity, the film that we are going to review is the Doom 2005, not the theatrical cut, but in fact the unrated version. Which I had not seen up until this point. I remember seeing the theatrical release in when it literally came out, and that was the last, aside from some scattered, maybe Showtime viewings, that was the last I ever saw of it. Now, for anyone that's interested, the differences are Portland and the kid finding Dr. Tallman in a locker room, which was a scene that, amazingly, as we were watching it, Tia and I were both immediately, that wasn't in the theatrical release. The kid shooting at some steam pipes, the explanation to why Pinky is in a wheelchair an extended version of the first-person shooter scene, which makes it so much more valuable. I mean, let's face it. The reason why you saw this movie was for the first-person shooter scene. It's an extra 30 seconds long. Here's the version you want. Uh, Sam and Duke in the med lab, Portland reloading his gun in the restroom, which was a weird scene that I see why they took it out the first time because it doesn't really work anyway. If you have the copy that is the unrated version, there is also two extra bonus features that we're not going to talk about. However, that's there's like six scenes that are different. This review will work absolutely fine for both of them. There's not enough of a difference for it to sway our vote one way or the other. So we're good to go. They were that noticeable as well. Just kind of adds to it, I guess, to an extent, but it's not enough to say, oh, this is getting bumped up a whole letter grade, or number grade in this case. Yeah, yeah, cert- certainly not. Certainly not in the least. So, Tia, why don't you give us a synopsis of Doom? The movie, not the video I game, would... or the video game, or the video game, or the video game, or the animated movie, or the video game, or... The, the direct video sequel that this movie had in 2019. Or the direct video sequel, or the remake of the movie, or the video game, or the video game. I think that's all. Okay, go. Oh, God. If you just left it a Doom, I could have gone so many different ways with that. I don't you had want, to go and clarify. I don't want a 19-hour podcast. <laughs> oh, God. I could, too. I really could. All right, so. The synopsis of Doom, the 2005 movie, I'm going to say loosely inspired by the video game series of the same name produced by its software. I'm okay. going to say slightly more based upon than Blade Runner and Do Android's Dream of Electric Sheep. I agree with that. That's fair. Okay, good. So not actually based upon, just like maybe 25% based upon. We could even say, you know, stole all the names from, except they didn't do that either. So, I mean, there you go. So, in the future, because it's science fiction, of course, it has to be in the future, at an archaeological site, there is a portal, interplanetary gateway, whatever the hell you want to call it. They call it three different things in the movie. That is That connects uh, Earth with Mars. Humanity has since been using it to conduct research, test weapons, basically stuff you would use the barren Martian surface to do if you didn't, you know, have room on Earth. Yeah, it's the Great Um, Salt Flats as a planet. There is a quarantine event happening on the Old Divide Research Facility, which is part of the UAC, the Union Aerospace Corporation, 
fans of the game will recognize that as being the primary conglomeration of businesses that's responsible for all the bad things that happen in Doom. Yeah, Waylon Yutani, um, just not Waylon Yutani because Fox owns Waylon Yutani. <laughs> oh, can you imagine if this had been an alien property? Ooh. Oh, wait, I can't. It's called Alien. was. <laughs> so, a group of Marines are called in when the quarantine is called to say, go get our stuff. What the hell happened to our science our scientists? Basically to figure out why shit went sideways. So, they go and they reach the facility on Mars and get greeted with the main character, whose name is Reaper, because his name is John Grimm, and he's a Marine, so he needs a call sign. So his call sign is Reaper. His name is Grimm. Do you get it? To be they fair, get... they actually make a joke about that. Reaper, when someone calls this out, which, again, is a storytelling technique that I love. It's when you know you did something dumb, you call attention to the fact that it's dumb on screen, because then it's not dumb anymore. Somebody asks him, really, Reaper, as in Grim Reaper? And he looks at her, and he says... The Marines. Marines are poets. Yeah, the Marines, not poets. I'm like, all right, well done. You covered your ass. It's like the equivalent of when you get in trouble and you tell on yourself so you get in less trouble. Yeah, pretty much. So they meet Reaper's sister, Sam, to secure the facility, retrieve USC property that's deemed too important to lose. They have six hours to finish their mission. That's important because time is a thing, and we'll get to that a little bit later. They start searching the facility, and they find that some of the scientists that had sent out the distress call are in various stages of sanity. Some of them are really scared shitless, seem like they're traumatized. Others are dead. They also discover research animals in cages and a holding cell that's electrified, buried in the floor. Stuff that you might not necessarily think that they would have for just an archaeological dig site. Foreshadowing. They do find one of the scientists, though, and realize that he's been driven insane by something. They, again, we don't know what it is at this point. He's just, he's nuts. He tears his ear off when he's confronted and mumbling random and coherent nonsense. They find more creatures loose. I say creatures because they never really show what they are until later. They're just basically movements running around, shaking cages. Even to be fair, when they later show what they are, you can still just call them creatures because we sure as fuck can't call them demons. Oh, I can't wait till I can rant about that. But anyways, <clears throat> after one of their teammates dies, they decide to evacuate the facility through the Ark, which is what they call the portal gateway between Earth and Mars, and hunt down whatever is killing the people who killed their men, etc. After about that point, with a few scenes interspersed of some genetic testing that had been going on, some other testing with chromosomal mutation that wasn't supposed to be going on but scientists as they do are always thinking about whether or not they can do something they never stop to think if they should do something there you go got na, it. Na, na, na. <laughs> there's lots of scenes with more hunting more killing people getting picked off creatures that are shaped vaguely like references to the doom game from which the source material came but not enough that we could concretely identify them at some point there are things that are looking similar to the imps and the hell knights from the game but they're never locked down enough that you could tell sam at one point realizes that the monsters are human or had been at one time after an autopsy one of the marines steals away to call for reinforcements against direct orders basically they're the ones that are there that are supposed to clear this out guy isn't happy about this probably gets killed afterwards so they find out that this genetic mutation apparently chooses who to mutate into a creature or to be given evidently superhuman strength and healing abilities based off the evil encoded in their DNA. I wish I was kidding. I, I mean, do. again, to paraphrase, he's a Marine, not a psychiatrist. So the leader, Sarge, played by Dwayne The Rock Johnson, who is actually pretty damn good in this, let's be real. He decides, okay, for the sake of the mission and covering his own ass, 
everybody has to die. Nobody can be allowed to get back to Earth. We don't know who's infected. And basically gives a mass extermination order. If it moves, if it breathes, if it looks human, if it looks not human, kill it. Some tension goes through his ranks, which culminates in him executing one of his soldiers who defy the order to go kill innocent civilians, at which point he is then shortly thereafter captured and is infected himself. Grim Reaper is wounded trying to get away from the scientists that have turned into what I can only describe as zombies because apparently this also took inspiration from Resident Evil for reasons. His sister Sam has taken a sample of the 24th chromosome, which is supposed to be the catalyst for all this, injects it into his arm. He survives the gunshot wound that's killing him. Him and Sarge have a final giant fight, at which point he blows up the mutated former commanding officer with a grenade, and him and his sister are the only two to survive and get out of the Ark and return to Earth. And that's basically it. That is that is Doom 2005 in a nutshell. Yay! Alright, so that takes care of the description. Now we'll go on to some of the numbers really quickly. Movie came out in 2005. The rating for the film is R, mostly for language, gore, and strong violence. Genre is going to be horror and action and sci-fi, so any of those take your pick. Uh, the director was Andrei Bartkoviak, who is best known for this and Romeo Must Die in 2000 and Falling Down in 1993 and Speed in 1994. So knows how to write a block knows how to direct a blockbuster the yeah. producers were john wells best known for love and mercy in 2014 i'm not there 2007 and far from heaven in 2002 and lorenzo de bonaventura best known for stardust in 2007 only the brave in 2017 and the bumblebee movie in 2018. the official release date was october 21st 2005 the budget was 28 million dollars and the movie grossed million in the box office. So, just better than twice its budget, so therefore successful, but barely, with a runtime of 1 hour and 44 minutes. Rotten Tomatoes has the movie at a critical score of 18%, with an audience score of 34%, both in the, solidly in the yikes category, and IMDb gives the movie an aggregate score of 5.2. As far as who is in this movie, hold on to your butts. Carl Urban, who you probably know. Rosamund Pike, who you probably know. Diobia Operai, who you probably are either know or are going to know because it's taken a while for his career to, to take off. But um, you may know him from Game of Thrones, where he played uh, Ario, and from uh, Independence Day Resurrection, where he played... Uh, Dikembe Mbutu, and Jumanji The Next Level, where he played the elevator guard. Ben Daniels, uh, Razak Adodi, Richard Brake, Al Weaver, Dexter Fletcher, Brian Steele, Rock the Dwayne Johnson, like everybody was involved in this. This was an all-star cast of people they got on the cheap because none of them were all-stars in 2005. If anyone involved in this movie is to be given phenomenal, phenomenal praise. It was whoever the casting director was, because damn. They were on point with their choices. They they knew what they were looking for. Absolutely. So, I mean, you have a ton of stars, or future stars, better actors than you would expect from a big-budget, mid-road sci-fi movie in the mid-2000s. Better actors than you would expect from a video game tie-in movie, generally. And writers, directors, and producers who would go on to make massively successful blockbusters and or Oscar-nominated films. Of which, this movie is neither. So, what went wrong? Oh God, do do we start with the elephant in the room, or do we start with the the minor nitpicks and work our way to the elephant? Oh no, you got to start with the elephant. Otherwise, this it'll movie's mutate. not Doom. 
That is the elephant in the room. This movie is not Doom. Okay, there is no way I can do this without comparing it to the source material. I tried. My rating will be divorced from the source material, but I cannot compare the plot. I cannot do a comparison without talking about the source material. Okay, Doom initially... While it didn't have a huge story, it did have a story. UAC scientists, while doing research on Mars, Phobos, and Deimos, discover a portal to hell. Specifically hell. That is very important. The creatures that Doom Guy, who is never named, is sent in to fight are demons. They are specifically references demons. They are shaped as demons. They act as demons. There's Pentagrams, no candles, blood pools, ritual sacrifice, dogs and cats living together. The whole thing. In the original game, they are 100% without question minions of hell. And that's very important to bring up. There's not, there's no discrepancy. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Literally portal to hell. Okay, so... Knowing that, this movie does away with it completely. The source of the demons, as they call them, which aren't really demons, but we'll get there, is a derivative of what they call Chromosome 24, which was discovered in Martian proto-humans as an extra 24th chromosome. Humans have... They, they get 23. 23 from your mom, 23 from your dad. The 24th chromosome does not exist in the normal human genome. What they end up discovering is that these proto-humans from Mars match almost exactly the human genome sequence that we have except for this 24th chromosome. Sam's character, the scientist in this movie, postulates that they had thought while they were doing the mapping because... They, as she says, 10% of the genome was still unmapped, which wasn't true. At the time of this movie, the Human Genome Project, which is a thing, was completed in 2003, two years before this movie came out. I nitpick. Says that they believe this 10% that's unmapped contains the blueprint for the soul. I wish I was making this up. And as such, people can be genetically predisposed to violence or benevolence to mercy or to slaughter that's where they're going with this so when this chromosome was isolated and they were able to extract it and synthesize it they started going in on experimentations on rats on dogs on monkeys and on humans they weren't supposed to do there we go and found that for people that they were doing the tests on, for example, death row inmates, because there's an ample supply and who's going to miss them, they reacted very violently to being injected with chromosome 24, in that they mutated into giant-ass monsters who then killed a bunch of people. Okay explanation for a movie, if you need to explain where your monsters are coming from. Not Doom. Not. N-O-T not. Circle with a line going through it. Uh-uh. You know what this would have been a great movie if it, if it had this title would have been? Mm. Ghosts of Mars. Oh, boy. Cause this, that is the whole conversation we're going to have, isn't it? Isn't it? Because this is a better Ghosts of Mars than Ghosts of Mars. And it makes more sense here than in Ghosts of Mars. But this isn't Ghosts of Mars, this is Doom. And that's the problem. I don't even know how that's possible. Ghosts of Mars was done by the John Carpenter. Have you seen Ghosts of Mars? No, but it classifies as a horror movie, so I have a feeling it's going on the list. Uh, it is now. <laughs> uh, so, aside from that glaring plot hole that the Doom story is not Doom... What else do we have? One thing I can say in this movie is defense, which is admittedly limited when your plot hole is that huge. They did an incredible job with casting. They did an incredible job with set design. Yes. The sets in this film are stunning. I would actually not be surprised. 2004 is when the Doom 3 game originally came out, and that was the one that had the big graphical upgrades. That was considered one of the reboots of the video game franchise. 
And you can see a lot of that inspiration in the Doom movie, in things like key cards, door design, signs, gateways, corridors. They, they, who, some of the people that did the set design clearly had played the game and knew what they were knew what they were doing, or or at um, least had stills from the production material. Because yes, right. in a movie where they in a movie where they could have easily have just made this a bottle film and had set A, set B, Carter. They did everything but. In a movie where they could have easily bottled and saved money, they had money to burn, and they burned it building this, like, lofty warehouse set. At one point, they're, they're in a set that's easily three stories tall so that characters can run through it three times. Like... That's it. And even only once do they do it with a crane shot to make sure you realize it's three stories tall. The rest of the time, you're just seeing wall behind a character as they run past. That's it. Nothing. Did they necessarily have to? No. But the end result looks so damn good. So p- point in the movie's favor. Casting, set design. Um, I'll even go as far as to say costume choices. They look badass and their guns look badass. What? Oh, God. What else went wrong? Oh. First they off, any time that you're any time that you're doing a, a a representation of a video game as a film, you inherently run into the problem of you're taking something that is designed to be fairly open ended and sixteen to forty hours, and you're forcing it into a linear story arc that has to be ninety to one hundred and twenty minutes. So. There's a whole lot of referencing and material that even if they had done it right, wouldn't have been able to make it into the movie. However, because of the direction they chose, had absolutely no chance of making it in. Um, you know, the Baron, no. Floating Skulls, no. Lots of things you don't get a chance to see that you would want to see in a Doom movie that you don't get a chance to see. I mean, I almost feel like this movie was a victim of its time. If it had come out three years earlier, 2000, 2001, 2002, it would have been, you know, right on the cusp of we don't have really good visual effects, so we need to justify our bad special effects by saying things are demonic. You had a lot of demonology movies right around 2000 to 2002. And then you had a whole bunch more that showed up like 2009, 2010, 2011 when it came back in vogue again. In the middle, where movies are trying to be more hard science-y and less space opera, less demonic religious bent... Right in the middle of that is when you decide to make a movie out of fucking Doom? Fairness, and I won't say that a lot, in fairness, that's probably when they decide to make it because that's probably when they could secure the funding for it. A Doom movie had been floating around Hollywood since the Doom 2, so 1994. So right. we're talking 10 years for the idea to simmer. So finally, when somebody, you know... When finally they can green light it, they say, brush it out immediately. We can capitalize on this. Doom is licensed to print money. Not necessarily thinking about the film atmosphere or the film environment at the time. That's fair. That That's actually, that's a really, really reasonable response to, you know, what the fuck happened. So I can go with that. One of the things that I did not care for is... And they take from a lot of tropes. They take, you, you have to, it's an action movie, I get it. They make it very, very clear that this group of Marines, at least the majority of them have damage. One is an extremely perverted, leering, sniveling guy you really just want to shoot and get him off your back. One is a very religious type who self self arms when he takes the lord's name in vain one is a big brother type to another one who's constantly on the hunt for women you you take self-contained singular stereotypes of what you would consider 
a big BV Macho Marine, and you split them out amongst five or six characters. It's not great, but I get why it's there. But it's still not great. <laughs> Another thing that they did, because this is, you know, this is a horror slash action movie, they did a lot with darkness, playing around with the dark, stuff that you can't see, stuff in the shadow, stuff moving too quickly. I don't necessarily have a problem with it until we get to the point where literally everything is impossible to see. It's it's more towards an atmosphere of an actual video game when you start doing stuff like that. In a movie, you at least want to be able to tell where things are. You at least want to be able to see someone, if they're getting their head ripped off, you want to see that someone getting their head ripped off. A lot of this movie for lack of a better word, scorn to the idea of proper lighting for the sake of atmosphere. I get why they did that. It makes the movie hard to see. In some cases, it makes the action hard to follow. It makes it less enjoyable to watch, at least for me. Also, not for nothing, when your movie is mostly practical effects and your practical effects and creature suits are designed and fabricated by John Rosengrant, at Stan Winston Studios. I mean, why are you not letting those be seen more closely? You're not talking about a novice creature maker. You're talking about one of the best special effects studios in the world and one of their better supervisors in charge. And you're probably spending at least a half a million dollars or more on those practical effects, if not several times more. I, I don't understand why you wouldn't want them a little bit more front and center in your film. I mean, I get the whole terror versus horror. Don't show it till you have to show it. But let's face it, that happens in act two. And from that point forward, we've got an imp. We've got a hell knight. Arguably, at the end, they say we've got a baron, but I disagree. Mm -hmm. I, you have the creatures. They're in front of you. You even have a pinky. You call him pinky. Like, there was some foreshadowing going on there. Like, all of the creatures are there. Just show off what you paid for. Because you paid for it at that point. And again, back to my original point, these aren't characters that you would think are lifted out of Doom. But in their own right, just from the movie perspective, some of them are pretty damn nice to look at. Like, for monster effects, they did a really good job. But it's hard to appreciate that when you can't see it that well. There's a lot of places where this falls down as far as being a proper representation of the video game. Now let's put that to the side for a second and let's focus on the film as a individual property, as a mid-2000s Hunter's Hunted horror flick. How well does it do when you take away the pressure of trying to be Doom and just look at it in the barrel of B-horror movie schlock, I understand this had ten times the budget of most B-horror movie schlock, but that's really what they were making here, was they were making a super-budget, schlocky horror film of the era. How does it compare to, you know, what, aside from being the rich kid in town, are effectively its peers? I did a lot of comparing to Resident Evil while we were screening this, okay. which came out in 2002. So that was actually predating this by about three years. Yep. Again, I think it's still, you know, an eventual delay, and then it's we can comparable. finally release it. I think it's comparable. That works. Mm -hmm. Just looking at it from that, it took, at least to me, a lot of its inspiration, plot-wise, from that. The idea of infection, the idea of mutation, the idea of 
people doing stuff in labs that you shouldn't be doing in labs because this is the end result you get. I mean, it's to be not... fair on that regard, this movie also could be seen as a species clone. Yeah, arguably, except many creatures instead of focusing on one. But yeah, yeah. Um, which is ironic because Natasha Henstridge from Species also starred in Ghost of Mars. Yay! <laughs> but instead of zombies, they're called demons they're not that but they're called demons but it amounts to the same thing you even at some point have scientists who haven't mutated fully but enough to be violent and aggressive and not thinking clearly they stumble around pretty much like you would expect zombies to stumble they're, around they're, they're 28 days later zombies yeah pretty much so you know if we're comparing it to films again same same era early 2000s if we're comparing it to something like that it's okay. It's passable. Right. It will keep your attention for its runtime. Is it something that jumps over its contemporaries? I don't necessarily think so. And I'm a fan of Resident Evil as a film. I like the games more, but basically just repeat what I said about the Doom. <laughs> repeat what I said about Doom and just substitute for Resident Evil. And those are my thoughts on it. Pretty much. Um, but I don't, I don't see, aside from, again, aside from... Decent music selection, I'll give it that. Excellent casting, good creature design, amazing set design, which can count for a lot. But you also had that in other movies around that era as well. So if you're trying to compare apples to apples, is it as good as? In many respects, yes. Is it better than? I can't say that. I, I definitely agree it's not better than. I actually find myself sitting here having just rewatched the film on one hand feeling it's a better film than I remember it being. Cause it's been like over a decade since I've watched this thing. Same. And I feel the same way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, I spent part of the movie watching it, trying to figure out what I would have added to it to make it work again, not to make it doom, because we know what you needed to do to make it doom and you needed an entirely different script. You can't do that at this point. But what was this movie missing that kept this movie from being the best movie that this movie could be? What went wrong within this production? And that's where I keep not being able to come up with an answer, which makes this a really strange film. It has action. It has violence. It doesn't have jump scares, but for me, honestly, nothing does anymore. I, it That's a me problem. That's not a film problem. But because of that, I can't find where those should be either. It's got good actors. They went on to become better actors and actresses, but even at this point, they knew how to act. The acting isn't bad for what this movie is for the genre it's in for the era it was released the acting is par if not better mm -hmm. the directing is definitely better than par than what we would expect we've already talked about how good the sets look we've already talked about the sound design so what did they miss where does this movie not come together this is almost like a perfect example of you know, a dream team that can't win a game because it's all stars and no team players. Like everyone in this is solid. It's not my best. It's not my favorite Carl Urban performance, but it's not the worst. It's not my favorite, you know, Rock the Dwayne Johnson performance, but it's not the worst. It's a, it's good. Like it's not great. It's not put it down terrible. It's just 20 minutes after you're done watching it, you're ready to watch a different movie. It doesn't stay on the palette at all. It's like I said, it's, it's, very, it's very watchable. It is a solid film. Without comparing it to the source material, you're really hard-pressed to find. I can't identify what wasn't there. I just know something wasn't there right. that pushed it to another level without bringing in the source material. Right. Divorced, of, of Divorced of Doom, the video game, 
it's a solid movie with some flaws that are noticeable, some advantages that are noticeable, and nothing that concretely says this was absolute crap. If we changed this, this movie would have gone to a 7 or 8 out of 10. There's nothing like that there. It, it's like it's like the Men in Black, designed to be a fleeting memory and forgotten just as quickly. While it's on screen, it will hold your attention. After it's off screen, you might think about it for a couple of minutes, and then you're ready to go fucking play Doom. I mean, the fight scene at the end I liked better than the fight scene at the end of every single Universal Soldier film because they all have the mano a mano at the end. I mean, by the way, late 90s to mid 2000s, the mano a mano antagonist protagonist, you know, fisticuffs trope. Ugh. There was a bunch of movies that all did this at the end. And it's like, we have super weapons. We have this, we have that, but we're going to come down to a slap fight. Like that was, that was a trend and a half. And fortunately, with the exception of Zack Snyder, it stopped in the mid 2000s. So, and he loves it and will put it into every movie he can because he's, he is a creature of the late 90s to mid 2000s. All of his favorite properties were popular in that era. It's it's what informed his filmmaking. It's what he's going to do. But, like, this does a better job of a lot of that. The hunting, the moral dilemmas, they sell. They're not giant cells, but you have moral dilemmas that come up and characters have to deal with them and... The characters that you like deal with the moral dilemmas in likable ways. And you're like, see, I knew I liked this guy. And the characters you don't like deal with the moral dilemmas in unlikable ways. And you're like, see, I knew this guy was an asshole. It, it all fits. It all plays. It's all relative. The female character, granted, there's only one. Last girl equals only girl. But... She has work, she has roles, she has arguably a fair amount of initiative in the film. The ending of the movie only happens because she does something that absolutely nobody wants her to do, but she does it anyway because that's what she's going to do. She has some agency, but not enough for her to be Ripley. Like, she's there most of the time. You don't really care. I mean, aside from them having some fairly cool call signs, all of the UAC Marines in the movie are just flat. One note, one dimension, one stereotype that they embody. And that's probably where you might be able to find at least something to, to point out where it falls short. Because if we're divorcing it from Doom... Aliens is probably the best comparison that I can make to this concept done exceptionally well. Yeah. The team, some of them are worse than others. None of them come off as gripping or likable. There's no Hicks. There's no Hudson. None of them invest you in their personal stories. They are cogs in the machine to get the facility under wraps. Yeah. That's there, it. There, there's no Ma Vasquez, have you ever been confused for a man scene. The, these characters aren't that well developed. There's no brevity between them aside from one of them teasing the new recruit, which is how you know he's the new recruit. Like, I, I mean, I guess maybe that's it. I think maybe at the end of the day, where this movie falls down is character development and design like you had really good actors that really well played one-dimensional characters i mean at the end of the day it's sir Lawrence olivier delivering a pizza he can't do more than deliver the pizza i mean is that necessarily to say that if the characters had been given more fleshed out more either good or bad uh um character traits you know, yeah. had they either, I think if they had turned them up a few notches, would that have gotten you more invested in the story? 
Potentially. I think you would have had a more stronger reaction to things like Destroyer having the fight one-on-one with Hell Knight in the holding cell. That's electrified. Yeah. Or, I think at that least, would have had... or at least more emoting when he when Destroyer dies. Because you're just kind of like, well, I mean, I guess we saw that coming. But that's as far into it as you get. And... That's for every soldier. Every single that every single soldier that dies on screen, you feel nothing. You feel like they they are a casualty in this movie about mutated creatures they call demons. And I think that's I think that's pretty much we've hit where this movie failed because I'm going to give you another movie that much like Aliens, you can slot into this same broad brush of a similar script with a similar set of protagonists and it's remembered very fondly and it's a really good film that didn't have any right being and it was a few years before this one predator you know all of the characters in there because they're all meme worthy and each one of them had moments and they all had individual personalities that you could pick out of a lineup if you had to and this movie i mean all right so one of them sometimes preaches and says things about the bible and this and that and one of them is a bit of an asshole and a drug user and one of them is the kid but like there's nothing that reinforces those archetypes or makes the characters stand out as unique i mean even dwayne johnson this is the least Dwayne Johnson-y Dwayne Johnson ever Dwayne Johnson. Like, for those of you who are wrestling fans, this is Dwayne Johnson playing Ricky Starks. Like, there's nothing <laughs> here that makes him Dwayne Johnson. Carl Urban is... I love the man's acting, and I will always go to bat that he has been involved in some absolutely criminally underrated projects. But, I mean, I really didn't care if he lived through the movie or not. Like, I'm just sitting there going, I'm not invested in this fight. I mean, you saved your sister. Good job. You can die now. If you want, take the bad guy with you. She can give us a monologue at the end. I don't care. Like, there's just, there's no emotional attachment to absolutely anything or anyone. They never build stakes aside from the world is at threat. There's never any stakes for the team. You don't you just don't care. The most you get is in the protagonist and the antagonist and that's because if anyone's going to get any investment, it's going to be the protagonist and the antagonist. So and even again, it's just, you know, that whole, it's, it's just that whole, we're the same type of person, except that we're looking at this situation differently. And because of that, now we're going to come to blows and only one of us survives. Maybe like, it's just, oh, it's so, so flat. I mean, it is, it is a passable action film. Yeah, that's as much you can say. It's it is a it again will hold your attention for its runtime and disappear from your memory about five minutes after its runtime. And again, I feel like we're shitting on the movie a little bit. Please remember, this movie is not as bad as I thought I remembered it being like I when this got suggested, I was like, oh, God, we're going to have to watch this thing. It's not bad. It's not the worst movie I've seen this week. Hell, it's not even the worst movie I've seen today. Mm. But. It's not great. It, it's just also not the best movie I've seen this week. I mean, I'm not going to choose to put this one on. If you can find this somewhere for free and you haven't seen it, or you haven't seen it in 15 years and you think it's abysmal, and you got two hours to kill, I'd say put it on. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, There's a, Again... There's a lot to criticize. I mean, that's 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 why we're here. But at the end of the day, it's it's a watchable action science fiction flick. You won't you won't gain a lot by watching it. You won't lose a lot either. Um, I will absolutely agree that if you haven't seen this in a while, watch it again. Especially 
if all you saw was the theatrical cut, try the unrated version. I feel like they fix a lot of the lighting issues and a lot of the... There are certain places where some continuity is smoothed over that actually makes it a little more enjoyable to watch. I was surprised by how much I liked watching it after having not seen it since the original came out in 2005 and it's 2021 now. Um, it's been a while. If it's been a while, definitely go ahead and take a look at it, especially if it's if it's on for free um, or you know somebody who has a copy of the unrated edition. Just throw it on, give it a watch. It's not bad. It really isn't. And if you've never seen it, it's worth watching just for the first-person shooter sequence, which, by the way, was 14 days of shooting to make, like, what I swear is three to five minutes of video work. Oh, but it's so good. So the sequence right prior to the big climax fight when Grimm is about to die and uh, Sam injects him with the serum that he worries is going to turn him into a monster. She assures him it's not going to and she does it anyway. Um, the scene immediately following that was an extremely much touted sequence of the camera behind a gun and going through a bunch of hallways and corridors looking for Sam, shooting a bunch of zombified scientists and mutated creatures. And it is the most fun out of this movie. I can't recommend that se sequence enough. If you do nothing but just YouTube Doom first person sequence, yeah, that, that'll do it. It's it's great. That part is awesome. Also, there's a couple interesting. Easter eggs where the crew did some really unique stuff like in the end credits all of the cast members names appear on the screen and if they survived the movie their name actually escapes the screen and if they didn't survive their movie their name gets shot or blown up I uh, did not know it was correlated to who lived and who died it's That's correlated awesome. to who lived and who died also if you're so Doom... saying that the majority of names on the screen get shot. Yeah, yeah, pretty much everything blows up. Um, if you are a Doom fan, I'm not saying to watch this movie because if you're a fan of the video game, you probably shouldn't watch this movie because this movie has nothing to do with a video game. However, the BFG is stored in a locker, in like a locker closet small room. The room that it's stored in, the designation on the door is IDKFA. IDKFA is the cheat code for Doom that unlocks all keys, weapons, and ammo. I didn't notice that either. Oh my right? god, that is that is cool. And my personal favorite one, and I didn't say it at the time when we were watching it, and I had to like bite back the screen because I love this one because I found this out like when the movie first came out, somebody pointed this out to me. I thought it was great. There is a sequence where you see a beating heart in a jar. Mm -hmm. And there's a beeping noise in the background. The beating heart is at the same angle as the heart that was used in the id software logo. And the beeping sound in the background is also the audio tracking from the id software logo holy shit <laughs> yeah so they managed to incorporate the id software logo the logo for the developer of the original doom video game into the movie like there's these little touches where if this movie had risen to the level of level of cult classic these kinds of things would be seen as brilliant as it is, nobody cares about this movie, so they're just lost. So, th like, there was some attention to detail put into this thing. There was some really good stuff designed, and it's just... I mean... Uh, in the end, it's just... There's better examples of the genre. It's, it's there. It's not a terrible movie. Don't buy it if you can see it somewhere for a couple bucks it's probably worth it uh if you want to see the theatrical version it is currently available on netflix for free 
at the time of this video, or rather at the time of this podcast. If you want the unrated version, it is currently available from Amazon for like $3.99 at the time of this viewing. You probably can rent it. You're never going to need to watch it more than once. It's entertaining for that one watch, though. Yeah. Honestly, it is. Okay. So... At Don't Watch This Film, we use a very unique scoring system that we lovingly call the dwtf meter On the dwtf meter every film scores a 1, because let's face it, you shouldn't watch most of these films. However, the important thing is, 1 out of what? A 1 out of 1 film is a misunderstood classic that you absolutely must see. A 1 out of 2 is a solid film that is horribly flawed, all the way down to a 1 out of 10 movie, which is absolutely terrible, and there's absolutely no reason you should watch it, and... Oh, sweet Lord, I think I actually watched one of those today. But I'm not even going to mention what it was, because if I do, then our wonderful, wonderful patron, Mr. Patrick Malone, is definitely going to suggest that one next month, and I do not want to have to watch that movie. So, <laughs> this movie will get, say, one out of what? Tia, as always, you have the option. Would you like to go first or second? I will go ahead and go first. Um, I'm curious to see what you say afterwards. Um, I I hate that I can't score this against the video game because I if I did, it would be like a one out of eight. Um, but I have to I have to divorce it. I have to I have to rate it on its own merits. That's what I keep telling myself at least. Um, if you if we were rating this as how loyal this is to Doom and how much this is a proper Doom movie, yes, a one out of eight, one out of nine, definitely without question is accurate because it's an entertaining two hours that or it's an entertaining hour and forty five minutes that has fuck all to do with the source material. Yep, agreed. Um, however, how is it as an action science fiction horror popcorn flick essentially? Um, that's what I have to grade it on. So when I look at it, and again, this is a lot, again, a lot better than I remember, but it's still not fantastic. And I've been saying it this entire time, it's passable, it's it's watchable, it will keep your attention. That is about what I rate a 1 out of 5 on the dwtf meter Um, it, It's middle of the road. Um. Is it horrible? No. Is it excellent? No. It is. It passes for what it set out to do, minus the stuff that it couldn't pull off that we're not grading here. Um. So yeah, I would give it a one out of five. All right, I think that's fair. Um, I had a lot of trouble grading this one as well, not mm -hmm. necessarily because of the connection to Doom, because. I, I was more than willing to divorce this from all connection to the source material from the start. The, there are just too many movies that fall far from the source material for me to really consider that in my final grade. However, like I kept because of the people involved in this film, because of the list of actors and actresses involved that I like in so many arguably or perhaps inarguably better projects. I kept wanting to give this a one out of four. And I can't tell if it's because in my head I was expecting it to be a one out of seven or eight because I thought this movie was absolutely terrible. Or if it's because I like those people. Or if it's because I really want the movie to be better than it is or more entertaining than it is, or what. I, like, I can't figure out why, but if I look at other films that I've given a one out of four, I keep saying those are all much better films than this film. So, I kind of think I got to give it a one out of five. I mean, maybe a high one out of five, but not enough to be a low one out of four. Mm -hmm. It's... 
it's an okay film that again I'm like wow this is an incredibly terrible but it's also not a this is a film that you need to go see if somebody comes to me and goes I want you to recommend me five movies that I should have watched and haven't this is not going to be on that list no matter if, if there's only six movies they haven't seen in the world this probably still isn't going to be on that list it's not that great. It's just also not terrible. Uh, so I think a one out of five middle of the road is a pretty, pretty fair score. Sadly, I want to give it more. I, I want to give all Carl Urban projects more. I want to give all Dwayne Johnson projects more. But this one, I mean, it's no Stardust. It's no Bumblebee. It's no Far From Heaven. It's no love and mercy. It's no speed. It's no Romeo must die. It's it's the thing that all of those other films maybe wouldn't have existed without. Like maybe the most important thing that this film did in history is exist. Maybe the most important thing that this film did was act as a stepping stone to a dozen better projects that only exist the way we know of them because of the people that were involved in making this. And this was a dry run that allowed better films to exist later. I mean, that's all I got. And if that's genuinely the case, then all we can say is thank you very much. Doom 2005 for your service. You were the springboard for many another better project. Cough, cough, dread. Um, you weren't good. Priest. You weren't good, but you died well. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's about all we can say. Go give it a watch. Don't go give it a watch. But that's that's that is our take on that is our take on the Doom movie. And yeah. and once again, thank you, Patrick Malone, for suggesting this one to us. If you are interested in suggesting a movie, then you can join our Patreon at Patron slash Don't Watch This Film. $20 and up level patrons can suggest a movie that we will watch once per quarter. So this was that one. I, I somewhat dread what he's going to pick for the next one because I'm sure it's only going to get worse from here on out. But that being said, if you want to just have a smaller hand in what we watch, believe it or not, even a $1 pledge allows you to select a movie in our patron poll that we do every month. We have about a week to go left in this month's Patreon poll. And at the time of filming, it's still a little bit up in the air. I mean, maybe by the time this comes out, it won't be, but at the moment it could still go one of a couple different ways. Uh, the movies that we'll be looking at would be either Forbidden World, which is Roger Corman's Not Aliens film, Shadow Builder, a film from 1998 based on a Bram Stoker book that isn't Dracula. Teeth from 2007 that... Man, I hope that doesn't get picked. And Birdemic <laughs> 2 from 2013, which I can't believe I'm saying is actually not the most terrible movie on this list, but it's not the most terrible movie on this list. And um, it was a sequel to Birdemic because somebody thought that we needed a sequel to Birdemic. But anyway, if you can get in before the end of the month and $1 and you can vote on which one of those movies we're going to watch, then that's what we're going to be doing next month. So, Is this where $1. we talk about that Birdemic didn't just get one sequel? Uh, no. Because <laughs> we don't need to. Not well, we yet. don't want to talk about Birdemic 3. We, we, don't want, we don't want to bring up how Birdemic 3 is a thing that exists in this world. I thought it was still filming. I didn't know it came out. Oh, God. Fine, I'll go watch it at some point. Anyway, so that's that's what we have. Even $1, you would be surprised just how much of a benefit $1 can be because not all the movies we get to watch for this podcast are free, and the movies that we have to pay to view are subsidized by the patrons. So thank you once again very much for all of your support. Without you guys, this project could not continue. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much. And um, for those of you who, for which finances are a little bit 
tight, which believe me, we all understand. We do have a pretty active Twitter at Don't Watch This F. That's where we put up the patron polls. That's where we put up new episode releases, engage in the horror community, um, talk about favorite movies. Uh, Adam has to post about Psycho Gorman at least once a day. Psycho Gorman! Um, Oh my god! So, all right, we're gonna rant. We're gonna we're gonna sidecast on this for just finish. a second. Now, <laughs> okay, go ahead. So, if a dollar is not available to spare, but you do have social media and have a presence there, definitely check us out on Twitter. A like, a comment, a retweet, any kind of engagement definitely helps get more eyes on the podcast, which is what we hope for. And you can support us without having to spend. A thing and we absolutely appreciate you being there as well commence with the ranting i mean it's not so much of a rant uh it's just a little bit of a thing that just uh that actually came up today you tell all right so i don't know if you saw this or not but the psycho gourmet dvds and blu-rays are getting delayed in production i did not know i knew they were coming out i knew that action figures and stuff were coming out but i didn't know they were delayed yeah 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 they should have been shipped today they've been delayed probably three to four weeks the reason is dvds and i believe dvds as well but i know for a fact blu-rays are made from polycarbonate plastic Mm -hmm. do you know what else is made from polycarbonate plastic medical syringes and the mass volume of polycarbonate plastic for the last six to eight weeks that is produced in the United States has gone to creating single-use syringes for COVID vaccines. So there is a shortage of polycarbonate plastic that is also causing a spike in polycarbonate plastic prices. So the Blu-ray got pushed back. I am not at all upset that I'm not getting a, a hold of a movie because people's lives are getting saved. Please, nobody mistake that. It's just, this is the last place you'd expect COVID to interfere with something. Like, I never would have seen that coming because I never realized they used the same grade of plastics for the two. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you think about it, it makes sense. But it's just one of those things that you never would have put together and just happened today. And I'm like, well, damn, I guess I'll wait longer. You have to be your hunky boy edition has to be delayed. I know. I am so upset that the hunky boy got pushed back. I, I want my hunky boy edition. Uh, all right. So that's me whining about not getting a movie I wanted in the mail this week. Which also, um, and if, if you didn't pick up on that, comes extremely highly recommended by my lovely co-host here. Um, he will shout from the rooftops how you should see that movie now, yesterday, and probably tomorrow, too. Yeah, and in the meantime, if you want more proof of that, we talked about it for an hour, like two weeks ago. So go make sure that you listen to that podcast as well, because it's phenomenal, and this movie is great, and everybody should see this movie. Even if you don't like horror movies, just go see this movie. Um, however, if you want to talk about this movie that we just watched or that movie that I just goobed about in place of this movie or any other movies, make sure you hit us up at DWTF at mailbag.com so that uh, we can have more conversations about movies. Also, if you have any other questions for us, feel free to throw those questions over there. At some point, I kind of would like to do a, you know, like a mailbag episode, but we need a few more questions than the ones we currently have in order to sneak in a mailbag episode. So feel free to drop over. Yeah. Uh, and as is our tradition for closing, our episode that we will be doing next week is oh, our Patreon selection film from last month. A 1984 zombie classic called Night of the Comet. How do you mess up a zombie film in the 80s? It's not easy there's only one or two ways to do it and we'll discuss how they did it next week because tia was not at all happy with what they managed to mess up in this movie
I I have I have some words. I, I have said some words, and you will be able to hear those words. All the words. So thank you all for listening to our one out of five agreed upon review of Doom 2005. Thank you very much to Patrick Malone for suggesting this movie. And until next week, when we talk about something else selected by all of our lovely, lovely patrons, I am W. Adam Clark. My name is Tia. And until you hear from us again... Don't watch this film.